St. Mary's Grand Forks, homily for the 13th Sunday in Ordinary Time, Year B, July 1st, 2018. This past week, the Church observed an annual week of prayer for religious liberty, and we are preparing for the upcoming celebration of Independence Day on July 4th. Let's remember that independence, properly understood, is not a freedom from things as much as a freedom for service, love, virtue, a freedom to embrace our vocation and our dignity as children of God. Sometimes St. Mark, in his gospel, uses what I call a sandwich method for storytelling. In other words, one story gets sandwiched into another to show how both unfolded at the same time. I think this reflects how life usually works, and that more than one thing comes at us at once. They don't line up in order and take their turn. So the first thing I want us to recognize today is how the demeanor of Jesus did not change. He was not irritated because something interrupted him or interfered with his plans. Instead, he chose to be present and merciful in each setting. All the more so, from Christ's heavenly throne, is he now not the least bit bothered to hear from us. Rather, he joyfully receives our prayers at every moment, as a dear friend who would want to drop everything in order to be with us and spend time together. Let's begin by looking at Jairus, whose daughter was ill to the point of death, and according to the reaction of hangers-on at his home, already beyond help. Jairus represents the struggle that synagogue officials of Galilee must have had at the time of Christ. Jesus taught in synagogues and attended Sabbath services, but many leaders in the conventional Jewish religion looked upon Jesus with distrust, as someone who would overturn their traditions and work against them. One could say Jairus took a double dose of humility, both by asking for help in the first place and by approaching Jesus. It's as though Jairus said to himself, I can't deny the good works that this man has done. Could I live with myself if I didn't at least try to solicit his help? Meanwhile, as they're on their way, another person in desperate need seeks out Jesus, but cannot bring herself to come up to him formally. This woman suffered greatly from hemorrhages, which in our time would be treated easily, but 2,000 years ago constituted literally a death sentence. What's more, despite their best intentions, sometimes the doctors administered treatments that were worse than the disease. Jesus brought everything to a standstill in order to acknowledge formally that the woman's faith had saved her as she reached out to grab a tassel of his garment. She did not need to lurk in the shadows, and this way her peers could share her joy at the instantaneous healing she received. St. Peter Chrysologus, an Italian bishop of the early church, had a wonderful observation of this scene that I'd like to share with you. He writes, quote, This woman touched the Lord's garment and she was cured, freed from a long-standing illness. But we, unhappy people that we are, touch and take the Lord's body every day, and in spite of that, our wounds do not heal over. If we are weak, it is not Christ that is failing us, 
it is our lack of faith. For now that he dwells in us, is it not evident that he can cure our wounds? He who in the past made whole the woman who is hiding herself? End of quote. Could this woman in her wildest dreams have conceived that Jesus of Nazareth, in whom she trusted for physical healing, would give us the Eucharist as a way to heal us from the inside out? Soon Jesus arrived at Jairus' house, and he only permitted Peter, James, and John to accompany him and Jairus' family to the girl's room. We can almost hear, as this gospel is read, the cacophony of doubt and ridicule pushing against the Lord. The work of the evil one is plainly seen in mockery and boorishness. Expelling these people from the house, or putting them out, as it's worded in the gospel, is Jesus' way of casting out the devil's influence and malice. Notice the tenderness in each of the Lord's actions. He took the child's hand and called out to her. And when she was revived, his concern did not end there. He asked the family to give Jairus' daughter something to eat. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus thought, this poor girl has been through such an ordeal. If I were her, I'd be starving right now. The whole moral of the story is contained in today's first reading. God did not make death nor does he delight in the destruction of the living. The author of the Book of Wisdom was not just delivering the party line in a spirit of optimism. Rather, he was hearkening back to the story of creation in Genesis. After the completion of each day's work, God declared that what he had created was good. And in the case of human beings, bearing God's image and likeness, they were declared very good. From the beginning, life glorifies God, whereas death is tragic. People are left to ponder where this seed of death comes from that we carry from the moment of our conception. Our church teaches that our first parents' sin of disobedience has led to a quite unnatural state. We rely on the remedy of the Paschal mystery of Christ to redefine death, no longer as a final thief of life and hope, but now only a passageway from this life to eternal blessedness in heaven. And the two miracles Jesus performed here stand to demonstrate this very fact. God formed man to be imperishable, and his justice is undying. Lastly, let's consider that each one of us, we are all as Jairus' daughter, and we are all as that woman with a hemorrhage. Each of us is like Jairus' daughter, waiting for life from its only source. Or perhaps we are like the woman Jesus met on the way to Jairus' house. Mark tells us that for twelve years she has suffered greatly at the hands of many doctors, and had spent all that she had, yet she was not helped but only grew worse. This is each of us, suffering and seeking healing in all the wrong places in the ideologies and pleasures and promises that the world makes. Finally, like her, we reach out to Jesus in desperation. We each need to have that moment with Jesus, realizing at last that he did not make us to be wounded and hurting and desperate. He made us to live, and none of us, even those who are spiritually dead, 
are beyond his healing touch. Amen.